Welcome to the MPC Podcast. I am Tim W. Gill, pastor of Medora Pentecostal Church, and I'm thrilled that you've joined us today. Here at MPC, we are committed to bringing hope and building lives. One way we do that is through this podcast. Thank you for listening, for sharing and reviewing what we do here. It is our desire to connect with you, and you can find us on Facebook, or you can find us at our website, medorachurch.com. It is our prayer that today's message inspires you, encourages you, and that the kingdom of God is advanced in your life. Let's get right to the word of the Lord today. This morning, we're going to talk about what you're worth. We're going to talk about what I'm worth. We're going to talk this morning on the title, What Am I Worth? What am I worth? John 1 and 29 is where we're heading. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you, Lord. 1 and 29. And many of my verses today, I'm going to be reading in the Amplified Version, so it might look a little bit different than what you're reading, but have no fear. I can still read. The verse says, The next day John sees Jesus coming unto him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. That verse there takes away, it's just, it's, it, that word brings with it the idea to raise, to lift off of something, to remove and take away. He takes it away. He removes it. He lifts it off of each and every one of us. So let's pray right now. God, I thank you for an opportunity to come and to bring and hear your word. I pray, Lord, that you would have your way this morning. I pray you would speak only the words that you need through this imperfect vessel. God, that each and every one might receive the word in a timely manner that is needed in this day. We praise you. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Turn to somebody and say, what are you worth? So the principles of worth and value are very interesting things. They dictate a lot of what happens in our life without even really realizing it sometimes. But let's draw some attention to some of those things. So for instance, the price of going out to eat, right? It's way more expensive than the grocery. Than, the, than exactly what you could make. It's probably going to be tastier in a lot of examples. It's going to be more nutritious. It's going to be healthier. But why do we go out? It's easy, exactly right. You ain't got to do dishes, you ain't got to cook, you ain't got to prep, you ain't got to fall stuff, all this stuff. It makes it so much easier. So what then? To us, the value of not doing anything, or very little, is worth more than the cost of that food or the time it takes to prepare that food, right? So we let that dictate a lot of times what we do. So worth and value. So Gas, right? You will figure out if it, you could drive to Alaska tomorrow, right? If you wanted to. Is it worth it? Don't know. It'd be awful expensive. It'd be a lot of gas. It would be beautiful. It's a gorgeous place. But is it worth that amount of gas to drive there? Apparently not, because you're not taking off. So value, 
worth. Now, I used to be, I say that because I'm married to my wife and she's helping me. I used to be a semi-hoarder. I would hold on to everything. I had value to everything. Well, I can't get rid of this. My grandpa sneezed on this. It's valuable. Yeah, it's a stained old nasty handkerchief, but it's valuable. There's nothing wrong with that. But I've reformed a bit. Because my wife won't let me keep as many things anymore. And she's not here, so I can be a little more at liberty. But she's helping me to realize the actual value of things worth versus the perceived value of things, right? So in this journey, I, and some of what's helped me as well, is I've gotten into backpacking. It's a good time. You guys should, you guys should check it. Those of you that don't, you should check it out. It's a lot of fun. But backpacking, it's very, very crucial what you carry, right? Because you can only take what you can carry. It's easy. So then things like weight and mass in your pack, all this stuff begins to come into account. Well, I could take a cast iron skillet. It'd be fun, but it weighs 30 pounds. I don't want to carry 30 pounds. I don't have to carry up a mountain. That's just silly. So it comes into account. And honestly, I've taken that into my daily life. And it annoys my wife on the other side of the spectrum now. (laughs) But I'm taking into account everything I buy. I'm like, what purpose does this serve? Now, I'm buying things that are a lot more expensive, but I'm buying very, very few of them. So to me, it's worth it. And I've come into, this is a shameless, not sponsored plug, Outdoor Vitals is a company that I buy a lot from. They're a really cool company. Stuff's expensive, so don't be surprised when you look at it. But their thing is Live Ultra Light. And they have podcasts that are dedicated whenever they release products. (laughs) I will spend an hour and a half listening to them talk about how they designed a certain product, right? So I brought this one with me. I've had this rain jacket, and we're going to talk about it some more later. This is their, one of their jackets. This is their jacket. I listened to an hour and a half podcast about how they built this. And I don't regret it a bit. I'll do it again. Not this one, but when they release new products. But they go into detail about, you see the different colors here. It's not just for aesthetics. Those are different materials, Well, they put the gray one on top because it's going to be in more contact with rain rather than underneath. Well, then this is 15 denier thickness. It means nothing to you, but it's heavier, more durable, less permeable to water. I told you, it's it's bad. Hour and a half. This uh, maroon color here is going to be 10 denier. It's a little lighter, a little bit less, but it's not going to take as much damage. It's not going to be exposed to the elements nearly as much. They place the seams so they don't touch your backpack straps. They have zippers underneath the arms so you can vent when you get hot. They have a hood. They have all this stuff. They go into great detail. And I'll tell you, it's ruined my shopping experience. (laughs) Ruined. Because I will walk up to this sweet Patagonia, and I'm not trying to bash anybody in particular. Patagonia is one that comes to mind. I'll walk up to this sweet Patagonia sweater. I'll be like, ooh, that's nice. 100 bucks. I don't know. So I'll start reading the tag. I'll be like, are you kidding me? They use polyester. They say it's merino wool, but it's only 32%. Are you And then I can't buy it because it's not worth it. It's not really worth anything except for the logo that's on it. So it has ruined my experience in a lot of ways, but it's brought me value to realize it ain't really worth that much. You're just buying a really cool tag. And if you buy Patagonia, that's cool. I'll probably buy something from Patagonia. Not trying to, you know, preach against Patagonia here. But the reality is I'm realizing the value of the materials that it's 
built with. I'm understanding the amount of effort and care and design that goes into everything that they make or they buy. So it's, it's a really cool concept about all of that. So let me ask you, what makes an item? And I'm talking rain jackets. I'm talking cars. I'm talking houses. I'm talking old China. I'm talking everything. What makes an item valuable? I want to hear some inputs. What, what makes something valuable above something else? If it's long-lasting, exactly. What's this? If it's rare, good answer. He read my notes, rascal. Anybody else? What we got? What makes an item? Passed down, right? Materials. A few more. I'm hearing whispers. Say it loud. Very good. That's a good one. All right, so we have lots of items, and none of these are wrong answers. But I came upon an article from Thomaston Auction Service. And the article details four of the main categories that will add or detract value to any item. You can take this and compare it to any item, and it will add or detract value from that item. We're going to walk through each of those categories. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at it in the sense of a natural item. And then we're going to look at it in the sense of you in your spiritual identity if it makes you valuable. Sneaker, it does. So, first, let's determine the value. Uh, first is rarity. So how rare something is. This means the scarcity of available examples of an object is a factor that really drives it up. So age can play a role, how old something is. It can play a role in this, how rare it is. But just because something's old, doesn't mean it's rare. And just because something's rare doesn't mean it's old. So another interesting thought. Works of art, which are generally created as unique pieces, right? I'm not very big into art. I'm still reading from the article a little bit here. But works of art are unique because they were painted by a particular individual, usually about something in particular, unless you look at modern art, which I fully do not understand the way it makes you feel and the way it re reacts internally, but I'm, I'm moving forward to what I really know here. But so these, these are important because they bring high prices at auction. Another interesting thought is an artist's work will be most expensive when? What kind of a raw deal is that? That's awful. The things that I create will be most appreciated after I'm gone. Well, yeah, it was really good. I would have paid 50 bucks for it when he was alive, but man, when he's dead, I'd pay 1,000. Man, what a, what a raw deal. So I was in an art history class when I was in college, and it was a, not an elected course. And I was in there, huge auditorium. There was someone up front that really wanted to be there, and they were having a conversation with the professor, a rather heated discussion about Thomas Kincaid. Anybody know Thomas Kincaid? Heard of him, painter of light, his stuff's really cool. At the time, he was not dead. So we were talking about it, and she just could not believe the lack of ethics that Thomas Kincaid had. Just He's just a terrible painter. He brings a bad name to the art industry. He's awful. And they were like, well, why? Because he only cares about selling paintings. All he cares about is the commercialism of his paintings. And it was hilarious, because she was really getting excited about this. And the professor simply responded, can we blame an artist for wanting to make some money on his paintings before he dies? 
and it pretty well deflated really quickly. So an artist's masterpieces will really gain the most value after their death. 1 Corinthians 6, verses 19 and 20. Do you not know your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in you, whom you have received as a gift from God that you are not your own? You were bought with a price. You were actually purchased with the blood of Jesus. So what he did on this earth was awesome and wonderful. But boy, we really picked up some steam after he passed and he came back. Then the full reality of everything he did was started to be realized. It's like not only did he have plans to do what he did when he walked the earth, but there was so much more. The value increased tremendously when that moment happened. You are rare. You are were purchased. You were bought with a price. Now, rarity brings with it a certain loneliness, if you will. So I'll use myself as an example. I used to hate the fact that I was weird, but now I just embrace it. I'm an obscure, weird, in so many ways, individual, and I love it. It's okay. But no one wants to think of themselves as rare. They want to fit in. They want to be a chameleon. They want to just go with the flow. They don't want to be that, we- most people, don't want to be that weird guy that sticks out and is rare. Look at me. I'm peculiar. I'm special. We just want to go in and fit with the flow and look. We just want to be normal, right? We want to be normal. We don't want to be rare. We don't want to be peculiar. Rarity brings with it a certain amount of loneliness, It's easy to come into the temptation and say, man, I wish I could write books like Bishop. And I do say that. I do wish I could write books like that or a book like that. (laughs) And you could come in and say, man, I wish I could play the piano like Carrie and sing like Seth. And I could go on and on through the whole room because it's normal. It's natural for us as humans to do that. But there's no doubt everyone else in this room is looking at you and saying the same thing. I wish I could do that like them. I wish I could be like them. I wish I could be like that. So your rarity is so valuable. And it's exactly what God wanted. Because he doesn't make mistakes. He did not form you. And he's like, oops, had to drop too much there. He formed it and said, that's exactly what I want. That's it. He kept tweaking it and turning it and measuring just right and said, mmm, that's the stuff. That's what I want. So you are rare. And that is exactly what God wanted. Albert Einstein said, I love this quote. He said, everyone is a genius. But if you judge a goldfish by its ability to climb a tree, it will live its entire life believing that it is stupid. So if you live your entire life trying to judge what God has given you by the abilities God has given someone else, you'll live your entire life thinking that rare is a bad thing, thinking that the the things that God has given you is a terrible thing. But it's not. It is only rare. It's different. God gave you rare, unique, different talents that he didn't give me, but he gave me things he didn't give you. And that's what makes the body beautiful. So that is your rarity. Next, we look at items value. We look at the current market appeal. Current market appeal. 
The breadth of current interest, I'm reading from the article once more. The breadth of current interest in an object also impacts its value. The relative appeal of various decorative styles can ebb and flow with the current fashion. For example, interest in ornate Victorian-style motif design has declined in recent years. Not with my wife. She's still got it strong. But that has, that has decreased in recent years. While mid-century modern decorative styles has increased, right? It's ebbs and it's flows. So based on where you catch that curve is where that stuff will find its value. Additionally, this one I find really interesting. Additionally, the relevance of or usefulness of objects can shift depending on lifestyle trends. So to illustrate this, they continue in saying, in recent years, there has been diminished demand for the fine china and silver flatware because there has been diminished, uh, because there are decreasing numbers of homes that have formal dining rooms. So follow me here. You have a silver, beautiful teapot. It hasn't changed. It's rare. It's wonderful. It's in perfect condition. It's the, it's the most beautiful thing you've ever seen. And nothing has changed about that object. But just because, you thought I was going to fall there, but just because something in the culture shifted just slightly, it's not really worth that much anymore. No, it didn't do anything. It didn't change. If anything, it gained, it, it's older now. It's more rare now. But the lifestyle cultures have changed and shifted. Amen. It can be really tempting to look at this market appeal in ourselves and look at the status today and be like, they don't want it anymore. People don't want to hear about Jesus anymore. They want to hear about trends. They want to hear about the, and I'm not on social media, so I'm way out of my depth here, but they don't want to hear about Jesus anymore. They want to hear about what kind of good time you're going to have this weekend, getting drunk, getting high, doing this, doing that. They want to hear about all this stuff, and it can be tempting and look at the suicide rates that are climbing, at gender dysphoria that's climbing, at depression, at anxiety, addictions, helplessness. It can be tempting to look at that and say, we're out of the picture. We're not relevant anymore. But in reality, that couldn't be further from the truth. Because with each new addiction, that's someone trying to fill a void that thing can't fill. Heroin can't fill a void that only God can fill. Gender dysphoria and transition can't fill. ain't got nothing on the love and care that God has for those individuals. That might be confused for a moment. But give it a second and God will bring clarity. And we see hopelessness, helplessness, feeling useless, feeling all these things, trying to shove and shove and shove that void full of so many things. But they're crying out saying, I can't, I don't know how to fill this. I don't know how to get depression away. I don't know how to get anxiety. I don't know how to get rid of all this. Maybe one more thing will help me. Maybe I'll just put one more hobby. Maybe I'll just put one more vice in there. Well, all the while, they just want, well, they just want God. They just want that relationship. 2 Corinthians 5, starting at verse 18, but all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And this is where I love the little things that Amplified throws in. So that by our example, we might bring others to him. 
That is, that, was, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting people's sins against them, but canceling them. He is committed to the message of reconciliation, the restoration to favor with God. So we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making his appeal through us as his representatives. We plead with you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. You are the ambassadors. I am an ambassador to show the attic that next high ain't going to fix it. You want joy unspeakable? I'll show you the way. You want to understand what what it looks like to live without anxiety? We'll show you the way. We'll lead you back to the source of being in peace. We'll lead you back to the source of being in hope. We'll lead you back to the source of being free. So your market appeal could be obscured right now, but know assuredly it's never been higher. The world has never wanted something from God more than right now in this moment. They're crying out for so many other things and saying they want so many other things, but they're just trying to fill a void that can never be filled with something else. You are valuable. So now we have your rarity, your market appeal. Thirdly is your condition. The condition of an object in many cases will be the most important factor affecting the value. If you have chipped pottery or damaged glass, broken artwork and furniture, it generally brings a fraction of the price of similar undamaged pieces at auction. Good and careful restoration of some antique pieces can enhance their value, but not to the full value of what they would have been worth undamaged. Right? So if something's broken, you can increase its value, but it'll never be back to where it was before it was broken. The decision, and I'm still reading from this study here, article, the decision of whether to restore a piece must be made very carefully as altering a rare piece from its original state can reduce its value when it reduces its appeal to collectors and the ultimate selling price. Another thing here that we often let obscure our vision of our worth is we're not perfect. You don't understand. I'm, I'm broken. I've been bruised. I've been wronged. I've been tangled up in addictions. I've been messed up. I'm not at the perfect state that I once was. Those are the things we hear, right? And if you're alone, you're just not listening. I'm not perfect. I'm bruised. And in the natural, this will always decrease an item. But this is where it gets really cool. In the spiritual, it can enhance your value. Because when you've been bruised and restored, you can go to somebody else and say, hey, I see you're bruised. Let me tell you, I've been there. And let me show you how to get back up. You can walk to somebody that's really struggling and entangled so tight in addiction and say, listen, I've been there. You're not. You can come back from this. 
This isn't the end. Just because the enemy has helped to pile some things on top of you, the value's still there. When you have a beautiful diamond and you throw it in a sewage pit, does it lose its value? Not entirely. Because when someone comes along that's willing to fish it out and clean it up and take care of it, it comes right back. Your value is not decreased after you've been broken, after you've been bruised, after you've sinned, after you've walked through life for a while. But it increases because that's what gives you a testimony. That's when you can look at another broken vessel and say, listen, let me show you the hands that can restore you. Let me show you the God that will come in very carefully and make sure that broken bone is set just right. You're so valuable. Don't let a broken moment in your life, don't let a moment where you go into sin, don't let all these things stop you from coming back to the hands of the one who will repair you. You're rare. You have a high market appeal. Your condition is restored. And now the last one, and then the rubber really meets the road, is quality. The quality of an item and I love this, this article simply. The first sentence of this, this section just says, quality is timeless. Timeless. The owner of the company that I work for, when we come together for meetings, uh, one of the first things he'll say, he'll talk about, you know, how do we keep up with the technology in this market? How do we keep up with this part or that part? How do we keep all these variables? And he simply says, good quality work done by good quality people never goes out of style. It doesn't matter. Everything else is just superfluous. But good quality things never go out of style. Reading again, quality refers to the excellence of design and execution of construction, as well as materials that were used in creating an item. A specific artist, designer, factory, or brand name that has a positive reputation can reinforce or enhance the belief in an item's quality. So now we're flipping back again. Your artist has a really good reputation. Psalm 139 and 14 says, I'll praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works. What are his works? I'm included in that. You're included in that. You're marvelous. Turn to the person next to you and say, man, you're marvelous. You're marvelous. You're carefully constructed with exactly the right things you need. And quality depends on the application. My rain jacket is great when it's raining. But if I'm welding, awful. I think it's going to melt quick, really quick. It's useless then. So do not get caught up in your quality and the application of your quality because you were made for a specific purpose. Don't get upset when you get a little bit outside and you're a little uncomfortable and you're like, I wasn't made for this. Well, when you move back into your giftings, then you can see. I'm not worthless. I'm not useless. I was just in the wrong application. You're his. 
You're his design. Again, to the article, a handmade object that is constructed of the finest materials will generally carry a higher value than one that was mass produced, regardless of the age. So a piece that was handcrafted 100 years ago will bring more value than a brand new item that was made mass produced. The principle holds true, and this is their quote, the principle holds true with virtually all goods. Quality supersedes quantity. Another aspect of an object's quality is documented of its history. Documentation of its history or its provenance, which is its origin. Where'd it come from? Depending on where the item came from, it can be worth a lot more. See where we're going, but hang on one second. Just to illustrate this, there was a mid-century leather U.S. Air Force jacket sold in 2013. Usually they're sold for about two to $400. This one was sold for $570,000. Usually it's worth two to $400. This one was over half a million. What in the world? There was documentation that followed this specific jacket all the way back to its origin, John F. Kennedy. Just because it was his, it was worth thousands and thousands and thousands more. See where we're headed now? See where we're headed now? Just because you are his, you're worth so much more. It doesn't matter what the materials are. If they look like everybody else, if it seems like everybody else, but you don't realize where I come from. You don't realize who my daddy is. You don't realize what family I was born into. You don't understand who brought me in and orphaned me and counseled me and walked with me and helped me. That's where I come from. That's where you come from. 2 Corinthians 6 and 16, what agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. It may look the same. There may be some churches out there that are really pretty. When you look at the Basilica of St. Peter's in the Vatican, it's gorgeous. It's beautiful. But let's trace back where all this stuff came from. The presence of God that resides in something, when it comes from God, it's so much more beautiful. The works of men and marble and stone can do nothing to the works of God. Continuing, just as God said, I will dwell among them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. I'm his people. You're his people. That's worth something wonderful. So come out among, from among unbelievers and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch the unclean thing and I will graciously receive you. And I, verse 18, will be a father to you. And you will be my sons and my daughters. Says who? The Lord Almighty. That's my origin. That's your origin. I don't care what I look like, sound like, and be like most of the time. Because my origin goes back to the Lord Almighty. And he said, I'm his. He said he wants me. He said he cares for me. He said I'm worth it. 
So those are the four categories that make an item worth less or more. But now I want to present to you a dilemma. There's a dilemma. Turn to somebody and give them a, oh no. There's a dilemma. We're skipping back to my jacket. There's a beautiful thumbnail. So this beautiful Outdoor Vitals jacket, told you all about it. It's made of wonderful materials. It's a little warm, but don't worry. I have vents that I can't unzip Why it's not zipped up. Well planned. Um, so this jacket, we're going to play a little reverse prices right, all right? How much would you pay for this jacket? Okay. Whenever your vote is in, you raise your hand. Would you pay $300 for this jacket? Did I mention it weighs seven ounces? Only seven ounces. It takes up virtually zero space in your purse, backpack, or wherever you carry your rain jacket, or at home on the coat if it's not raining. Would you pay $250? Would you pay $200? Would you pay $150? Would you pay $100? As soon as it hits your mark, you throw your hand up. If you'd pay $75, 50 25, if you'd wear it on occasion, it was raining. If you had no other option, if I gave it to you. <laughs> Beautiful. Got everybody. <laughs> we can all find some worth in a good rain jacket. <clears throat> I got this last year as it came out on a clearance or on a launch sale. Didn't pay this for it. I might today. I don't know. But it's $225 on Outdoor Vitals website. I told you stuff's expensive, but it's nice. It's good. It serves lots of purposes. So that's the dilemma. Is it worth it? Is this jacket worth $225 or not? I think I'm pretty well outnumbered here. <laughs> One to every single other person in the building and listening on the podcast. I'm going to take this off because we're about to have a lot of fun. Seven ounces. You can change your bet right now. Seven ounces. Zero material here hardly. Is it worth it or not? Does it matter how many people say no? Does it matter how many people say yes? You know what makes this jacket worth $225 right now? I bought it. I bought it. You may not think it's worth $225. That's okay. I do. I didn't pay that for it, but I do. And I bought it. You may not think you're worth the price that was paid, and you may hear that in your head all the time, but you know what makes you worth it? He bought it. I may look at my life when I'm absolutely in a mess, in a wreck, and lost, but you know what? He bought it. Now, our God is outside of time, right? I told myself I wasn't going here. He's outside of time. So to him, time is a construct that he can hold in his hand. To me, it has to pass, and I have to look backwards and forwards. But to him, it's all the same time. So when I look, when he, and it, I may be wrong, I don't know. It doesn't affect anything. But he, from the cross, can hang and look at my sins as they happen. <laughs> and he says, you know what? 
here's another drop. It's still worth it. As the accuser of the brethren comes before the throne day and night and says, you overpaid. It's not worth it. They're a mess. They've turned their back on you. God says, I still want it. I'll still buy it. And you know what? I'll buy some more. He's going to turn his back on you. He's going to forget about you. He's going to sin against you. And God said, here's one more strike. As the whip penetrated his skin, he said, it's worth it. As the crown of thorns was shoved onto his head and the blood dripped down his face into his half-mangled beard because it was ripped out, he looked at our sin in the worst moments and said, it's worth it. I'll buy it. I'll take it. Can you stand with me, please? It's worth it. It doesn't matter what you feel about yourself. It doesn't matter the things that are staining your life because God has come and said it's worth it. It's worth every drop. It's worth every penny. It's worth every stripe. It's worth every time I get spat in the face. It's worth every single sin I carry for you. And as like the original infomercial, God came in and said, but wait, there's more. Mark 15, 38, just as Jesus died. The moment, it says, the veil in the temple was torn in two, in twain, from top to bottom. So God said, not only are you worth it, but I want you closer. Not only are you worth the price I paid, but I want to bring you in a little closer. I want to bring you in so we can have a little more of a relationship. He didn't turn his back and say, well, I paid for it, but I don't know. Maybe I'm having a little buyer's remorse. He said, no, it's all part of the plan. I want you closer. I want more of you. But wait, there's more. We look to Acts chapter 2 and we see the Holy Ghost being poured out. And God said, not only are you worth it, not only do I want to be close to you, but I want to live within you. I want to walk every moment when you feel worthless. I want to walk every moment when you feel pain. I want to walk every single moment and carry it so you don't have to. Because you've run up a bill you can't pay. There's a song that says the beautiful thing about grace is that it makes life unfair. Beautiful thing about all this is it's not right. It's not fair. The accuser of the brethren is going to continue. That's not your debt. You can't pay that. You can't pay that, Dylan. I can't. I'm guilty. But God steps in and says, give me that bill. I'll have that. I got just the right amount. (laughs) You're worth it. Can you close your eyes for a minute and let this sink in that you're worth it? The things you think about yourself don't matter because you're worth it. The value that you say you contain doesn't matter because he bought it. 
He said, you're worth it. He said, you're prized. He said, you're precious. He said, you're treasured. He said, you're my son. You're my daughter. You're the one I want to walk with. You're the one I want to commune with. I could have had every single thing in the entire earth, but I really just wanted you. Think about that. He made everything. He could have every ounce of gold on this planet surrounded by every carat of diamond on the planet, sitting majestically in a mountain on a waterfall. But he said, no, just want you. And I want to be close to you. And I want to walk with you. And I want you to be mine. So this morning, wherever you, if you want to pray where you're at, if you want to pray up front, I just want you to lay this stuff you're wearing down. Take this insecurity and drop it. Take this worthlessness that you feel, this uselessness that you're hearing, and drop it. Because God bought it. God said, you're worth the price. God said, you're mine. You're my family. You're my, you're my daughter. You're my son. Oh, God, this morning I pray somebody lays down this insecurity. Somebody lays down this pain, this bruising. Lord, right now, I want to agree to what you say about me. Lord, you're so good. Lord, thank you for the sacrifice that I didn't deserve. Thank you for paying the debt I could not pay. Thank you for listening to the MPC podcast. We trust that today's message has inspired you encourage you, and strengthen you in the Lord. We would like to invite you to join us again by simply subscribing to our podcast, and we encourage you to write a review if it has been a blessing to you. Again, you can find us at medorchurch.com to learn more about our ministry.